International Cinema Day last Sunday, so of course, I had to go and see uh, something at my local cinema. I was actually at home in Vermont, so I got to go to the movie theater oh, that nice. I've seen most movies at. Well, maybe that might not be true anymore, but <laughs> the one I've seen most of like my pivotal childhood films sure. at, which was great, and I went and saw Blue Beetle, because there's nothing else that really appealed to me it, it was a weird kind of day for it to be national cinema day sure because like besides barbie and oppenheimer it's like there's some stuff but it's it's a little slim pickings um yeah i didn't didn't want to see strays but yeah i saw blue beetle <laughs> uh this is directed by angel manuel soto uh and is apparently the first film in james gunn's dc universe that's what mm-hmm. has been said about it and I really wanted to love this movie because we talked about it early on, yeah. how good the trailer looked, how good the VFX looked, and it looked like it was going to be kind of a step in the right direction for them. I sense a butt. I will say there's a lot to like about this film in the same way that I really liked Shang-Chi, where they kind of embrace the culture like full, full sure. stop, which is really great. That stuff was great. The first act where you're getting to know the character who is played by Jolo Maruduena is great. You get family dynamic. George Lopez is hilarious in this film, and it just really feels super grounded and a lot closer to what the MCU did with stuff like Guardians, where you just have mm-hmm. a really clear vision and tone. But as soon as the superhero stuff started, I kind of glazed over because there was nothing new coming mm. out of this at all it was all it was actually so derivative of iron man and shang chi and all these movies even batman in there and a lot of spider-man that i was just kind of yeah. like if this is the first superhero movie you've ever seen this is an awesome starting place mm-hmm. but for me and for you and i'm curious to see how you feel about it 40 yeah. movies 40 origin stories in I really needed a lot more from this movie to call it like a resounding success. Yeah. Um, That sounds more negative than I want it to be because this is better than Thor Love and Thunder. It's better than a lot of the movies that have come out. But it was just a little standard for me to the point Mm -hmm. where I'm like, yep, you you basically, I'm sure you could call from like the halfway point exactly how everything's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just not great. Susan Sarandon's in it as like a villain that's kind mm-hmm. of like an irredeemable like person, which is weird because we've moved away from that kind of villain in yeah. recent movies. So that was odd to me. It was very corny, very like family is everything, and that's the power. And I'm like, I get that, but dude, we're now again. But that's 40 what it is. Origin Shazam stories as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just. This is not a bad movie. You should still go watch it. But my God, like, if this is the direction that these things are still going to go in, I'm troubled by that. Yeah. Tired. Very tired. (laughs) Do you think where we are now, we could just never have an origin story movie again? And like, like, do you think we've hit the point in like a collective mindset that we can just say like, okay, like has powers? I mean, you know. Unless it's something so drastically different from what happens in this film. Like, yeah, I'm totally down with, like, we don't need to see Batman's origin or Spider-Man's origin ever again. Like, we know that. And this, it's like, you could just jump into a movie, dude has powers, and, you know, it's the first day he has them, something like that. And I would, I think that would work for a lot of people because, I, I don't know. 
it yeah. just kind of like made me sad. I was like, oh man, there's so much to love about this, and then so much to just like forget. Like I already yeah. forget like the fighting sequences, and that's like supposed to be what you're there for. Like the spectacle just whew, yeah completely How was went the CG? over my head. Good in parts, but once you got to the end, it was like you know mm. Black Panther meets like it was like a you know all in the dark. The whole thing's completely CG, and it looks like it was rushed. Like the ending, I was like, mm, yeah, God, mm. man, I was Fine. really really rooting for it. So. Still go see it. Still go see it. It's just well, yeah. You know. I feel like I'll probably wait for that one to hit. Uh, yeah, max. That. True, true. Um, Maybe not you, but listener, if you're looking for sure. something to watch, you know. So yeah, Blue Beetle. Um, speaking of things that dropped on Max, um, mm. I'm just gonna go straight into this uh, because I go. texted you as it was starting, but I watched the Flash. It. Yes, you did. I've been thinking like for a few days now, like what I'm going to say about this movie. And I'm going to try and not talk for half an hour because I tend to do that when we get into these. But I said in my letterbox review, not the worst superhero movie ever, but like not far off. I feel like I have a better appreciation for where Max was in that. Like, yeah, you can't do this without Ezra Miller, like reshooting Ezra Miller. And this is reshooting the movie. Um, Yeah. That said, like, there's I, I like I think back and I'm like I laughed a couple times. There were a couple jokes that got me. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else was just so heartless, soulless, soulless. Like I never felt an emotional connection to any of the characters. Mm-hmm. The peripheral characters, Kara and Michael Keaton's Batman, weren't given anything to do. Right, they were just there. They were just there. They had no real arc. I guess Keaton got like a little bit of one, and Kara went out and like saw a thing that changed her mind. I don't know. I, like, you know, she yeah. flew and like saw a battle or something. It was like, oh my god, and then flew away. Like, didn't help anybody. It's just like, <laughs> it was like, okay. Right. Um, so just like it seems like they were so concentrated on like getting the thing with his mom and dad like right that everything else was like a peripheral thing you know what i right. mean right and that's that's just and like it does all the same things where it doesn't like obey its own rules and like oh yeah. speed force was something wild i will say and i think i texted this to you but mm-hmm. After about a few after a few minutes of just like really terrible CG, like it starts and and I go, oh, like the first five, 10 seconds of CG. I was like, oh, this looks pretty good. And then he starts running and you go, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, And I just in my brain, I went, you know what? This is like a photorealistic animated film. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like an animated film that's been done in the style of photorealism. Mm hmm. And that changed the whole game. That made that mindset made the uh, made the CG so much more palatable in, in my case. Because like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I could have decided it was an aesthetic choice when it was something terrible. I know it's not, yeah. but like, you know. Right. Um, but uh, man, yeah. And like half an hour too long. Oh yeah. You could have cut so much out of it. I will say, and I, I guess this is a spoiler, but not really. Um, I am glad that this is uh, Gal Gadot's final Wonder Woman appearance. 
opposed to yeah. or am I? I don't know. Opposed to like her appearance in the end of Shazam two. Shazam. Oh. Um, which was just like a nothing thing. But even this one, it was like I'm not talking about a different movie now, so I'll wrap it up. But like even this one, like, <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman was such like a feminist powerhouse thing, and it's like, oh, what here's Wonder Woman and she's got the lasso of truth, and it's like the two male superheroes joking about how much they want right. to like have sex with her. And it's like, it's just okay, like, this is great. not who it's not who these two characters are. I mean, yeah. it might be Ezra Miller's character and yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's also highly forgettable. I would like to hear what you think about it in a month because like I yeah. straight up can't remember most of it. And the fact that spoilers, I guess it, mo- it basically revolves around the idea that, Barry is trying to change events by going back in time. Yeah. Just negates like any stakes that like any of these characters have because it's yeah. like Keaton and Kara. It's like, who cares? Like they did it four well, million times. Thing. Like if we're cares? in spoiler territory now. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the whole thing. The main story here is him in an endless loop trying to fix it. Right. That's the story I want to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like Edge of Tomorrow style of just, you know, yes. Oh, we fucked up. Got to run. Got to go back. Oh, got to mm-hmm. go back. Got to go back. Got to go back. Got to go back. Got to go back. And then right. like halfway through, you can have the split, you know, and then it's like there's two. I don't know. It There's so. It is, it's not great. <laughs> it's it was not. rudimentary. Like, that's what it was. It's like it's nothing we haven't seen before. And it's. Yeah, it's. Yeah, we're I think we're firmly back in the like. Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer era. We've like yes. done our full wave, you know. Yes. It it can only get so good before it goes bad again and yeah. and these types of ridiculously expensive. I mean, they were saying this movie almost cost 400 million dollars, didn't even yeah. make 3. It's like yikes, my guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Die hero live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Quite literally. Quite yeah. literally. We've been told this before everybody. Um God, I'm glad you did see it, though, because it is an important one to talk about. It is. But yeah. Yikes. <laughs> and, it, and it's like I watched it the day it came out on. Of Max, course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think we were saying that last year. Like, I still like watching these last year, last episode. I still like yeah. watching these. Uh, oh, yeah. These movies, you know, even if they're just popcorn trash at this point. Right. Even if they're garbage. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, God, that's so funny. Ugh. In a, a similar vein, just as a movie that's not... I feel like this is a little bit of a negative episode that I'm looking at yeah. my slate here. I watched a movie that was actually recommended to me by one of my friends. Shout out, Maddie, if you're listening to this. I know you listen sometimes. And she texted me and was like, you need to watch this movie called Out of the Blue from 2022 because it is so, so bad that you are going to laugh throughout basically <laughs> this entire movie. This is a movie... Um, I believe that released this year, so it's brand new on Prime. Or no, mm-hmm. it was Paramount Plus, actually. Yeah. Directed by Neil LeBute. Showtime. Showtime. Well, I had the Showtime Paramount Plus yeah. add-on, so it's like part of the same thing. Um, Neil LeBute, director of Lakeview Terrace, The Wicker Man remake, uh, Death at a Funeral, a bunch of ah, classics. Yes. <laughs> really, really, really uh, <laughs> high level there. Starring Diane Kruger, Ray Nicholson, and Hank Azaria, and is a romantic tries to be an erotic thriller style film mm-hmm. and is just quite literally one of the worst movies I've seen in a very, very long time from a lot of different standpoints. And the biggest thing is that the script 
reads, and this is an observation that my friend actually made to me. She's like, it reads like a book, which is hmm. not how movies <laughs> are yeah. supposed to be. And it do- It literally does. There are long, drawn-out, dialogue-heavy sequences that are so boring and bland and lifeless in the performances given by someone mm-hmm. who's amazing, like Diane Kruger, that feels stiff. And it literally felt like she was reading the script for the first time and like hmm. reading it off the page. Like that was the kind of performance. And Hank Azaria too, I was like, holy crap. It, it felt like he wasn't confident in what he was saying at all, like throughout the entire movie. And it's it's just like, it's this like kind of a crime thriller about this guy who meets this girl. Funny enough, he's a book, he works at a bookstore. So it's kind of like Notting Hill where she just sees him <laughs> and they hit it off. And she tells him all about her woes and there becomes this like plot to kill someone's husband. It is... It's just horrible. It's just horrible. And it the funny thing is, it's broken up by transition cards, like mm-hmm. two weeks later, later that afternoon. Oh, no. That are this ugly gray with white font in the middle. And they come up at random times. It's like, okay, later that day. And he's like watching TV. And then it immediately, like 10 seconds later, cuts to tomorrow. And it's like, what are you do- You don't need these. You do know you, you don't need these, right? This is not something that like... That's so weird, too, because it's not like it's a first-time filmmaker that, like... No, he's made a bunch of films. This is his um, artsy uh, submission. I, I don't know what this is. I felt bad for everybody involved. Rain Nicholson is just absolutely horrendous in this. It's kind of insane. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to watch, like, a nice, like, like laugh, it's an hour and 50 minutes. It's totally not worth it, but, like, it, hmm. I thought it was funny. Um yeah, so out of the blue, okay. absolutely horrible in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, quite <laughs> frankly. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'll be passing on that one. Can't believe um, I watched it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'll, I'll put this one in the same vein, though not in the uh, same result, but a movie mm. I can't really believe I watched is You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. Yes. Which is the new Adam Sandler movie that came out last week. Um, and we kind of like ripped on it a little bit in the beginning of the episode, uh, and the what's releasing. Um, we just didn't know what the hell was going on. Well, I did a little bit of research on it and it's pretty much like a, uh, Adam Sandler family vehicle in that, like Adam Sandler's Mm. in it, but the main character and the main character's sister are his two daughters, uh, Sadie and Sonny and his wife, Jackie's, in it too um so it's really really, it's really weird and this is a perfectly lovely coming of age story um oh man it is it is very much not directed towards me you know not being a (laughs) 13 year old jewish girl sure Um, but uh sunny sandler who plays the main character uh stacy is great and like like really great and really engaging and like oh man you know it it has all the same tropes as a lot of these kind of things like super bad and book smart and you know um it's not quite that like raunchy per se um, sure but it's you know it's these two best friends who are um both about to have their bat mitzvahs mm. and like are both 13 years old and you sure know, 13 year old girls so like there's uh issues i get with the boy and like et cetera et cetera et cetera um right and it's it's perfectly like it's fun, you know, um, mm. 
it is like an Adam Sandler Netflix movie. Sure. Um, but Adam Sandler's in four scenes, maybe. It's not like a, it's not, he's not the star at all. Um, right. It's really, he's his centering his family. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to shout that. out um, Samantha Lorraine, too, mm-hmm. um, who plays the the friend, um, Lydia, who is also just like great in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, you know, it's, it's an hour and change hour and a half hour 40 um right. and it was fun it was fine i watched it with my wife the other day and like i was curious enough about it when i saw that it was his daughter's i was like this is enough to make me hit play and i'm like i don't regret it it was great totally that is not yeah i mean i didn't look into it at all i just knew adam sandler was attached and that that intrigues me even if it's yeah. obviously not directed towards me that's a really that's an interesting concept too and um, had they yeah. ever been in anything else? I don't, I, I mean, like, I don't think things. anything, I mean, like they've like, been like little in all of in his, his work. stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. they're in like, you know, they're the kids in all of his movies, you know, uh, sure. Murder mystery, grown-ups, pixels, yeah. Grown Ups two blended Hubie Halloween, Jack and Jill, like, you know, um, gotcha. But I think this is the one, the first one that it's like them really going for it. You know? Oh, I love that. Well, yeah. I'm gonna have to give that a watch because I really I don't think that I would have had you not said that. <laughs> yeah, and like it's not a perfect movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's way better than Flash. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> and probably way better than a lot of uh, Sandler's recent movies too. So yeah, um, I love that. That's great. Yeah, damn, I never would have known. Uh, similarly, I just turned on a movie based on the premise, and I think I texted you. I this I texted you a I had to actually look up a screen grab from YouTube and send this to you because I was so impressed by the visuals. Um, mm-hmm. This is a movie called The Wandering Earth Two, uh, directed by a man named Frank Guo or Frant Guo, um, mm. and is actually the sequel to obviously The Wandering Earth One, which I didn't watch because I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it to rent, and I was also like the rating on it was lower than the wandering earth too and i figured if i could get the gist from the synopsis <laughs> sure i think we're good and it helps that there is a a direct synopsis like breakdown at the beginning of the wandering earth too which was cool um and the premise is basically this there is a impending some sort of a crisis uh on earth that will happen within the next couple hundred years and the powerful nations all across the world have banded together to kind of create this technology to push the earth from this solar system to a new solar system. And yes, that is a highly flawed kind of logic (laughs) because it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you swing it, but the audacity of that premise Mm -hmm. had me. And then as soon as I looked up the trailer, I was like, Oh, it doesn't look schlocky. It doesn't look ridiculous. The performances look good. Let me let me turn this thing on. Not knowing that it was a three-hour movie, so it did yeah. take me three days to finish. But I thought this movie was was beautiful. It wasn't perfect. It was highly melodramatic with this kind of insane, intense allegory for climate change and all the socio-political kind of problems that are going on in the current world. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a big one being nobody can kind of get on the same page about anything or agree to. Uh, take action against a lot of these massive issues that are plaguing the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of globalism, obvious, obviously, and just the greed and selfishness of corporations. But it also tackles AI in a really interesting way and hmm. the ethics of using AI to an extent that, you know, kind of interrogating the whole, if it becomes 
sentient if it becomes if it gets to that point yeah. where does it end and like what can we use it for but the movie i it's it it spans i think 50 plus years so i'm not going to go into the detail oh, of the wow. plot but i thought it was really really interesting and if they make a series out of this because this does not end in a way where i'm like oh i understand okay we're all good <laughs> they're they're off in the yeah. suns it ends in a way where i'm like you can make three, four more movies and keep this going on their adventure because they mm. say like this is a thirteen hundred year journey, like to do this. So yeah. I was like, oh my god, and I thought that was really compelling. Just like the scale of this, the scope <laughs> of this. It's like you see characters die in like montage because it's it spans like forty years. You see people get older. You see their kids get older. It's like a really interesting kind of film. Wow. Um, that is. You know, worth the watch if you got three hours to kick around. It's a little ridiculous. It's mostly VFX, CGI, heavy, heavy, but it works. I mean, clearly the VFX artists actually worked with the gaffer yeah. and the DP because the, the, the clip lighting you sent is me, I was like, holy perfect. shit, the CG is great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there are moments that aren't as great, but as for a movie that has probably more CG than a Marvel movie does, it looks yeah. way better than any of those. Um and it's on Prime, so if you have three hours and you want to watch the sequel to a Chinese movie you haven't seen before, <laughs> The Wandering Earth 2 is, is in my opinion, worth checking out. Um, very interesting, also, the dynamic of, like, tone between a movie like this and if it was mm -hmm. made by Roland Emmerich, like, completely different. Mm, yeah. Like, this is so much more about the interpersonal connections of people and so much more about family drama than it is this large scale thing that's happening. It's just about individual people, which I thought that was sounds great. like the same argument I make when I talk about like Shin Godzilla and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Wandering earth too. I I'd say, give it a shot. All right. I will say, uh, that clip you sent me was such an insane, like you sent me a, a 2k YouTube clip. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I literally was like, fuck, I need to like get back into Blu-rays because I was like, this is like a better quality than a lot of what I'm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it There is a difference there. There is a significant and that's only 2K like it's not even 4K. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I recorded it from my iPhone. So <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to wrap this up with a movie I watched. It was my Saturday morning movie um, mm. last this last weekend. And it's this really micro budget. I assume, I don't know. It's not, it, there's nothing about it that says any kind of budget was attached to this, but mm -hmm. um, it's a found footage oh. movie set in World War II called Lola. Oh, shit. Um, directed by Andrew Leg, Leggy, Legay. I don't know. Okay. L E G G E. Sure. Um, it is these two sisters in 1938 who invent a machine that they call Lola that can receive broadcasts from the future. Mm. So like it's basically, it has a TV screen um, and it can tune into like the future. It, you know, like one of the first things they do is tune in to something that's like David Bowie playing, you know, on oh, TV. like they yeah. can see future TV signals. Oh, whoa. And it's, Really interesting, A, because it's a found footage, but it's film found footage. It's like yeah. the whole thing is clearly actually shot on film, but like has a lot of like clips and like rollouts and light leaks and all this kind of stuff. Aesthetically, it's really, really fascinating to watch. Um, right. 
Although the, it does get to the point where you're like, why are they still filming? But yeah, why um, would you be? Yeah, on film but, too. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one shot where she puts it down on a table, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, but um, it's really, really fascinating. It Its scope is really, really fascinating. Um, mm. It does play with some of the same, like, tropes that time travel movies play with, you know? Like, sure. If you can see the future, maybe you can change the future, and that never goes well. Um, totally, yeah. But the two main actresses, uh, Emil Appleton and Stephanie Martini, like, are great. Mm. Um you know, they, they play opposite characters that are 100% like sisters. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like those two oh, kind man. of sisters that are like slightly different. Um, and right. it's, I don't know, it's just really engaging. Um, and it's super short. It's the shortest movie I've watched this year. It's 79 minutes. Oh, um, awesome. It's portrayed as like, here's one real, ah. you know, but it's also like a cut together kind of thing. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to give too much, but you should 100% watch it. It, it has like vibes of uh what's it called legit uh what's the french one okay legit yeah um the one the one that uh 12 monkeys is based off of oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. um i don't think i'm pronouncing that legit i don't know um forgive me film professor <laughs> uh, but um it has vibes like that like it's it's really really interesting um and it's worth watching it's streaming on uh, I think I rented it on Amazon. Uh, gotcha. But worth it. Gotcha. It's great. That sound, that's really, that's like right up my alley. It's like, it's like a Moorhead and Benson kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much in that vein. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm going to have to rent that. I All think, right. I think maybe list. doesn't have that same level of execution. Um, sure. But it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating prompt that leads to a fascinating place. I love it. I'll have to check that out. I added it to my watch list just now. 